You're listening to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance, an API-first headless CMS and DAM in one. We've partnered with Ampliance in 2022 to bring their wealth of industry experience to our audience, gain a fresh perspective on e-com technology and CX from a, a founder member of the Mac Alliance and a strong voice in the headless community. So today you are listening to the soporific tones of myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm glad that I tried to start this uh, podcast twice and completely cocked up the introduction already. So third time lucky. Let's see how it goes. Um, and yeah, welcome back to our regular listeners. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And a warm welcome if this is the first episode you listen to. We hope we don't disappoint you. And do subscribe to get episode alerts. We release a new one every Tuesday. And please do like us on Shopify, um, Shopify, Spotify, even Apple, YouTube, etc. We love to get ratings. It, it, it helps with our fragile egos. So, Paul, our episode topic today is what does a good statement of work look like and what should it include for an e-commerce project? Um, and I, so the top three things I think we're going to cover are what happens when your statement of work isn't accurate? How do you get your statement of work right and what needs to be included? And tips for navigating supplier proposals. Does that sound like a fair enough summary? Yeah, I think it's a very good topic. Always an interesting discussion. Yes, exactly. And there is never a 100% consistent way this is done, hence the reason for, for wanting to give some advice and guidance based on our experience of projects. So I think the key, the key position is this, right? You need a detailed statement of work for a project and you can get detailed requirements done prior to going into a discovery phase with an agency. So you can do it internally. It's almost like a pre-discovery discovery. Or you can pay an agency to run a discovery process during which you create the statement of work and get to the point where you sign off at the end of it. We tend to prefer the former. You do an internal piece of discovery yourself first. You define out the requirements. You prioritize them. And that influences the supplier's own discovery planning. And then the statement of work can get refined at the end into more detailed. Um, and the level of detail depends on project size and complexity. I think you, you tend to prefer doing an internal piece first, don't you, before engaging with an agency? I think there's, um, I think it probably depends on the client. I think if it's a bigger project, and also, so I'd say the biggest thing is whether it's fixed scope or variable scope, because I think if you're agreeing, as a, like both of us would be on the client's team, essentially on the client side of the fence. And I think if you're agreeing to a fixed scope project and you're, you know, all of your requirements are broadly covered at a high level, you're in a really good position. Um, and as long as there's enough definition around, you know, quality and the approach, et cetera, I think you're in a really good position. But if it's variable scope, um, I think it's really important that you have a lot of definition in that statement of work. I think um, for me, the big thing as well, the most, particularly if it's a bigger project, if it's a simple product uh, project, I think you're kind of okay with less definition. But if it's a complex project, the, the issue with the typical processes is that most agencies want to do a discovery, which makes perfect sense. Um, you know, they'll want to go into, uh, you, maybe it's, let's say it's between 15 and 40 grand, the discovery exercise. Um, and they will essentially say, you know, you're, uh, we'll do the discovery, we'll define everything, we'll document everything. You can then choose if you want to go into the project or go to another agency. And on paper, that sounds great. But I think that, Really, if you don't have enough definition initially to get an accurate, bigger budget-wise, and ultimately I'm trying to protect 
cost and ensure that the scope of the project is delivered within budget. Um, if you don't have enough definition up front, you're at risk of one, uh, doing wasting time with an agency, uh, doing discovery, getting all this documentation, and then having to go to another agency. Realistically, no agency wants to inherit um, discovery documentation from another agency. They'll still want to do their own. You won't meet your deadlines. Um, the other side is... Um, is that you go into discovery, um, you're roughly talking about 100 grand. After all of the discussions, it becomes 200 grand. Um, and then from there, you depend on whether it's fixed scope or variable scope or fixed cost or variable cost, you're still then at risk of it then going up again. And I guess, I think if it's a complex project, really, you need to have quite a lot done already to know that you're going to have 10% variance versus 50 60 percent variance in the cost that's kind of my view on yeah. it yeah i think that i think that's really good and and the the level of risk mitigation in terms of effort and detail that goes in before engaging in discovery with agency is is clearly dependent on project scope complexity of business etc so let's let's start our first question was what can go wrong when statement of works aren't fit for purpose so let me just fire off like my top three and then you can riff on on whether you agree or whether you've got additional ones so number one for me important requirements don't get documented which results in cost creep later on which you talked about that leads to stakeholder dissatisfaction because if the budget ain't there those features don't get in and you might have just alienated a team within the business who can't have what they need so one example i'll give you from a project store locator was omitted this is a project where I came in later on when there was lots of arguments over statement of works. So store locator was omitted. It wasn't referenced. It was referenced, sorry, under international, there will be a store locator, but there was no detail of the feature set. So the argument from the agency was, well, we're going to provide a store locator, but actually this isn't what we need because we need to have Google Maps integration. We've got to have unique indexable URLs for local SEO. We need CMS manageable components on the page for localization. None of that was going to be delivered in scope. That's now adding cost. Second bit, forgetting to include something that's important for overall customer experience and will materially impact quality of solution. Accessibility is a classic one here. So many statement works have no provision for accessibility. Are you going in for basic WCAG accessibility level A? Are you getting double A compliance on some? What is the level of accessibility testing? What capabilities are going to be provided? Where will you need to provide external accessibility experts or audits in order to, to, to support the project? And my third one is insufficient detail in a statement work, meaning developers can provide a solution that ticks the box based on the high-level statement, but it fails on one or more e-commerce criteria, such as the user experience. Good example, wish list journey. So I've seen so many where it's like, we'll provide a wish list, customers can log in and add items. But what is the user journey? When somebody clicks on an icon, can you create a guest wish list, which then when they leave, it encourages them to create an account to save it? Or do they have to sign in straight away? How do they add to Basket? Can they add all products to Basket in one go? Do they have to add each one on, on one click each? How do they update, remove? Um, how do those items get moved into Basket? There's so much detail that you can get to, which will determine whether your statement of work is fit for purpose. So those are my top three, mate. Where, where would, What would you add or, or anything else that's more important to you? Yeah, so I think... Um... <clears throat> I guess the obvious what and like it's carried on from what you were saying there. I think um, like 
Um, insufficient functionality would probably be the big one, um, which is kind of what you've already said. But I think uh, dependent on the platform as well, like the approach can have a big impact. So taking your wish list example, if you're working with Shopify, there might be an assumption that you're going to use a third party. Um, that cost might not have been factored into the budget. That might not integrate with other third parties that you want to work with. Um, it might be that you know you were expecting a different third party, which might then take longer to integrate. I guess that's like a level the definition you need against yeah like you say against each line item um i think where you don't go into that detail deadline is also at risk so you know quite often um i've seen high level statement of works result in people really underestimating a requirement for like even basic areas like it might be something to do with plp or whatever it is but actually you know there's another four hours here, another four hours here, another four hours here. Um, suddenly, uh, you're not going to hit your deadline because there's another, I don't know, 10, 20 days of development work or additional QA or whatever that looks like or more solutions work. Um, and then also in addition to that, if you do have a tight deadline or even if you don't, that time might then be taken away from somewhere else. And the other one that I've written down, and you mentioned compliance, which is often one corner that can be cut. Performance is another one. SEO uh, is another one. Um, and I guess like you might end up having corners cut if you suddenly end up with a bigger piece of scope in other areas of the project. Um, the other one I think that we haven't talked about yet is, so if you get everything you want off the back of a rubbish statement of work on paper, you're happy. You've launched the site, but the agency is unhappy. So, um, I think you need to balance that because, a lot of people will put loads of pressure on the agency to take the hit. Um, the agency will lose money. Suddenly the agency actually doesn't really want to work with the client anymore or they're deprioritized or they're charging more for all the additional ongoing work to try and claw back some of that lost revenue. And I think you end up with this like fractured relationship. And, you know, there's actually a big cost of moving agency. You know, like the average agency move probably costs 20 grand or more if it's a really big project. Um, and I think that's the other thing is like, if you actually like enter into a project with an agency, realistically, you should want to work with them long term. So that whole like balance piece like needs to be maintained. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really, really good point is the relationship side that the, the, the impact of getting this wrong. I've seen this um, arguments where you get emotive conversations, but you said you'd do that. But it's not in the statement of work. But you told us that's what, and that's not what we meant. And then it erodes trust, as you say, damage relationship. It also wastes time if you're yeah. spending days or weeks arguing over. <laughs> um, well, actually, that's time and effort that's distracted from focusing on delivering the project and getting things right. So yeah, you you really you really need to take the time and effort. And I, I think for and for those who are new to this, some will already have done this process a few times and maybe learning new points. For those who are new to this, a statement of work is different to requirements that you've defined internally. A statement of work is what your agency partner who's delivering the project will create, which is their sh their schedule of what they're going to deliver for you off the back of the requirements you've confirmed them. So a statement of work is so important because it's something you can come back to and go, have we got everything we agreed in the project? Um, it can also really help focus your UAT plans. So yeah, so so the relationship is a good one. So let's move on to our second key question then, Paul, which is what has to go into a statement of work? What are the key areas to consider? So I'll introduce it, and then you you kind of tell people what what you think is important. So we've already said that that we need to start with a scope. So you've got to be clear on your scope and the prioritization. What's critical? And a good starting point is to look at 
issues that you have now that need to be addressed, requirements and features you depend on in your as-is e-commerce operation that need to be preserved or even enhanced, um, and future roadmap capabilities to look at what you can get in initially versus what might be in subsequent phases. And that enables you to at least give your supplier a tangible set of criteria against which to, to provide an initial statement of work. So that's the framing. So where where do you look? What things for you have to be in a statement of work? So I think um, it's an interesting one. So a lot of the statement of works that I've worked on um, have essentially referenced a functional specification, um, which is like a very detailed set of uh, requirements, potentially user stories, all of that kind of stuff that essentially fully defines the scope. So it's the same principle, like a statement, like depending on where you store it, it's the same um, yeah, principle. But I think um, within that, realistically, when you're kind of going through requirements, I think that you just need as much detail as possible against each requirement, um, I be it whether you've got... Um, so I guess the key is just making sure that you cover all of your functionality. Because I think the other thing is I've seen people think they have an excellent statement of work. And like you've alluded to, like one of the obvious things is like, oh, yeah, I've completely missed something. And you've made a note here of the account section. And like that's a good example. I've seen it before with Shopify sites where, you know, Shopify has a very basic account section and actually they want to store more fields and they want to allow people to change their email address and things like that. Um, or they want to pull in orders from other places, et cetera. And like order um, and custom migration is another one, like the amount of records and the fields that are actually against an order and a customer and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess you just need to get, you need to, it's on the client side to basically make sure the agency's set of line items um, covers everything you need. Um, and I think then from there, it's just a case of making sure that there's enough detail that it like fully covers how everything needs to work, both from a front end perspective, a back end perspective, and then also any data that needs to be pulled out of the platform perspective. Um, yeah, and I think it's just detail, like functional detail, essentially. Yes, De- yeah. detail is a key word. I'm going to give a couple of examples of areas that are often um, undercooked in statement of works, and I spend a lot of time with clients going through their statement of works, pulling them apart in a productive way and saying, right, we need to get this extra info in for you. So number one is integrations. Which integrations are covered within the scope? Um, So for example, ERPs and OMSs, warehouse management, um, and how the integration is being done. Is it API-based? Is it point-to-point using um, existing connectors? Is there customization? Is a middleware being used? If so, which one? And what, what is covered by this supplier, the e-commerce supplier, versus where uh, Paul, you raised a good point earlier about in the Shopify world where often that integration will be done by a middleware um, third party, not by the Shopify developer. Being very clear on where where things are being covered and where they're expected to be done by the client or another person. That's one of them. So, And and this is down to all the third-party tools as well. So not just big integrations like ERP and CRM. Yeah, do you have a UGC plugin like Olapic? Where's your list of third parties that must be connected? Um, you can then go into the functionality that's required for them. And then the, another one that's really overlooked too much is designing UX. So what is included? Which page types will be designed as part of the design process? Um, will wireframing be done prior to visual designs? The answer is should be yes. Um, interaction design, how will it be done so you can see how people will meaningfully interact with that page? What happens when 
they interact with elements on the page like a mini basket drop down or a slide out menu navigation what will it look like and what will the transition be and then page transitions are there animations so i worked on a project where the design phase didn't have any animation work specified and then the creative director got really really annoyed because they were seeing a flat static page and they wanted to see how things moved in the same way that competitors had really nice animations when you scroll down a page and you interact with content modules so really important to nail that stuff down one huge one to add to that that i see all the time is um breakpoints and tablets so um, a lot of agencies will design mobile and desktop, which on paper makes sense, but completely ignore tablet and then portrait and landscape tablet are just inheriting mobile and desktop rubbish. Um, and then also the breakpoints just don't work for certain device categories. And that's very common if you just leave a you know, generic statement of work and just crack on. Yeah, and I, I like the fact you teased out my account earlier. A, a great example of this is there are core elements of my account that every single e-commerce site needs. You've got to be able to log in. You've got to be able to log out. You've got to be able to view your account information, your profile data, and be able to edit it. Um, Opt-in you know, um, preferences as well. Not everyone has a preference center, but from a GDPR point of view, you have to have that core provision to enable somebody to unsubscribe if they're already opted in, to request deletion of their account so there's compliance issues in there then you've got um wider capabilities like order history order yeah. tracking and you suddenly realize there's it's like peeling an onion there's all these different elements that a customer expects to be able to access easily and then you've got to think about are there any use uh, specific use cases for your business model so for trade for example um is there any account information like credit do you have accounts with credit and do you need to show what their current credit is, what their balance is? Do you need to show overdue balance? All these things, do you need to show account statuses? Are there any customizations, like you said, custom fields? You've, that's just one example of one area. If you just put, we'll have a My Account where a customer and access their information, it's totally arbitrary. What does that mean? You'll end up in an argument later on about what should be there and what shouldn't. You'll end up being given the default out-the-box capability, which might not deliver against your, your, your user requirements. And I think the other thing is you need to challenge assumptions. But another thing that I see a lot is, um, so based on what you just said, so taking some of the B2B requirements, so I guess you've got all of these requirements against the customer and how they see pricing. But yeah, someone's made the assumption that we're going to use this search provider over here and this product recommendations engine, and they don't support like customer specific pricing or price lists, et cetera. Same could apply to multi-currency or whatever else. Um, and you know, I've seen the same where like someone wants to use one of these search providers to power the product grid. Um, and they've got all these requirements around like um, different functionality against the product card, but yet the third party can't physically do it and stuff like that and that's other that's like again more contentious points so there's just not enough due diligence um one 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 i was going to add and i'm stealing your points you've written here uh, edge cases and one of your edge cases is donations for charity and i think with the SaaS project particularly shopify a lot of the uh, agencies will really focus on building a like best in class theme and that's like by far their biggest focus Something like donations for charity is something that has a lot of impact on like your integration, on tax. Like, yeah, there's like loads of little considerations. And I think if you're a small business and you've got a non-technical team, small team, you don't want to have to think about that really. You want the agency to think about that. You want the third party, if you're using a third party, you want it to be selected of all of this stuff in mind. If you're building a private app, you want the quote to be based on 
all of this stuff. And I guess that's like one example, but that's one of the big things that I see come out of bad statement of works is just that little lack of detail for things that seem uh, quite simple, but they're not. Yeah, and I think this is this is the key point on, on this episode, everyone, is if you have a, a line in a statement of work for a, a capability or a feature, explode that into, into explain exactly how it needs to be delivered. What is the front end uh, requirements? What are the back end integration pieces? Are there any implications? Like you said, for tax and duties, if there's adding a cost into a checkout, but it's tax exempt, is that specified so that you don't end up with um, uh, you know inaccurate costing to customers or or, or poor uh, and inaccurate reporting leading to reconciliation issues for finance teams? So, and there, by the way, anyone listening on our website, the 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 web post for this, we'll put a list of all of the key high level areas that people should think about included in their statements of work. At least it will give you a hit list to go through. It won't give you the details behind each, but it will give you that, ah, how do we have a provision for this? And you know, tax and duties is a classic one, Paul, for international especially. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have such a wide product range where you have um, like different tax um, rules based on different product categories? How are you handling tax and duties for international? Are you integrating with a third party like AvaTax, Avalara? Are you using the platform specific? Do you have custom um, uh, engine that, that, that you need them to integrate with? It, it really pays to get into the detail because these things can act, can either derail the project, as you said, it, or it can suddenly add a load of development costs later on. I think um, one other thing that I just thought of is that obviously in this scenario, we're talking about the kind of broad statement of work for the agency, like delivering the budget, but um, increasingly uh, project teams are being split out. So like you might have a designer, you might have an integrations company and platform, et cetera, and they need really detailed statements of work as well. Um, and one of the ones that I was just thinking about, so like um, returns is an interesting one. So like if you're charging duties and the customer has to pay duties, like how does that work from a returns perspective? And like exchanges is another one that's like, increasingly complex when there's more third parties involved um and i guess yeah all of this stuff needs to be like teased out and um and kind of in some ways you'd probably have it in both and you need to figure out how you're gonna essentially say statement of work with the integrations company statement of work and the um with the uh si but you also then need to think about allowing for time for collaboration and stuff like that um yeah, I think I I mean I do think this all requires like a certain level of project. Um, but I think this is where projects fail. And I think both of us have probably seen projects like fail as a result of not having this detail. But but also, yeah, I for me personally, it applies to every single project, regardless of size or complexity. Yeah. It's just a question of how much detail you go. You have to have a statement of work, otherwise you're gonna be screwed later on because you've got yeah. nothing to yeah. How do you how do you build out a UAT plan if you don't know what's meant to be delivered and all detail? Even at a simple level, just a simple set of requirements in a statement of work. And it, whether the statement of work re- references a requirements list that's elsewhere, like you said, or it's in that statement of work, it helps UAT to go right. We've got now we've got a cr- eighty criteria to test against. Brilliant. Um, one good one really tangible example for people listening: internationalization and SEO, domain structures, site versions. I, I one project I, I got involved in a real like heated uh, argument because a a client's expectations around domain structure for their primary UK site and their international domains to be on subfolders was not compatible with how the platform worked 
um, by default with subdomains. And all of a sudden it's a, but no, but we were on subfolders. Oh, but that's not how this platform works. Yeah. And to try and create a workaround, there are ways of doing it, but it now adds complexity um, and it now adds cost. Or it's a, is there a, 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 or can we work to the way the platform works and accept that compromise from an SEO point of view? We can still do, we can still manage the, the sites. We can still get SEO visibility. We can still set things like href tags, et cetera, but it's a different way of working. And is that the path of lead complexity? But it not ha, not having this defined up front means there's a mismatch. Um, and, and one of the important parts of discovery is setting out your store of what you want to achieve and the, the agency being able to provide an upfront estimate of what they think the project is, and through discovery, teasing out a, the optimal solution with compromise, at which point that cost gets refined and both sides buy into what the recommended solution is. I think um, that is a good point, and I think uh, that uh, ties, or not ties into, but highlights something. So in a modern-day project with all of these new pro- uh, platforms, I think in the back in the day when it was mostly Magento and Salesforce, you didn't have too much um, room for issues if you have a complex international site, whereas now I think a lot of people go and sign with some of these new platforms, even like the kind of best of breed API first one. And there's a lot of consideration around how you structure these stores. So like as an example, big commerce and Shopify, in most instances, you'd end up with multiple stores if you've got multiple warehouses and need to pay out into different bank accounts, everything else. Um, in that scenario, you know, you might like you mentioned hreflang you would have to build a logic to allow for hreflang if you've got multiple warehouses across multiple stores there needs to be something in the middle that says this product is available in this warehouse and it's not in this one etc and that's the kind of thing that will always be um, left out and then another one is accounts so um, I've spoke to so many people that have had global accounts on Magento or Salesforce they've moved to a SaaS platform and actually then you need to start thinking about a single sign-on across the different stores and everything else and as much as I think in most cases people are willing to compromise it always, it's always an argument and it shouldn't need to be an argument and I guess that's another one I just think the multi-store piece is actually where in like the types of projects I work on where a lot of this comes up, the kind of like contentious pieces that haven't been covered. Yeah, exactly. And this is the whole point is you're, if you're if you're working on a platform, you have to understand how it works natively, where that might be different to what you ideally wanted to achieve from a functional point of view and whether customization or even considering doing something like going headless to avoid some of those limitations around like domain structures, URL paths, even to, down to things like we want to be able to index filtered pages when people are on PLPs and they're filtering by different attributes. And some platforms by default don't filter anything, uh, don't index anything that's filtered. And then you have to think about how you would resolve that. Is it is it that important? Does it have to be done? If so, that needs to be flagged because that needs to be understood and estimated so you don't you know, either get disillusioned later on with cost or have your pants pulled down over adding costs. Right, let's think of some other things quickly to add in that, that need to be thought about statement of work is making sure that you've got specified by the agency what's out of scope in their deliverables and why. And I've, I've worked with a few clients where, I've, where we've looked at capabilities they might want to do but aren't priorities as defined in their MVP scope and therefore are not costed within this current statement of work and being very clear on that to say you will not get these four or five things we know that they're important we know that there's subsequent phases but we have not estimated for them now so there's no argument later of oh we thought that was also included 
And then we need to get on to, I guess, the core kind of project um, um, delivery stuff. So project management delivery, yeah. their resourcing, who's going to be on it, how they're doing development, uh, development standards and controls, their QA process, project management tools, documentation, account management provisions, SLAs, um, training, what's covered, what's additional fees and optional, and then all the line-by-line -line cost model and payment schedule and terms and conditions. So, you know, if it's 120 grand, when are those cost lines payable? And on what point, what triggers it? Do you know uh, one that I think you just touched on, one that I think is really important that kills me is, um, and not I, like, not in a bad way, because I think this is just how people work, but it's a frustration on the client side is, is that testing piece. So a lot of agencies will test desktop Chrome on a MacBook um, and, you know, the website will be perfect. Um, but the minute you start using it on like, you know, the most commonly used Windows device in, I don't know, um, Firefox or whatever browser, maybe not Firefox, but another really common, important browser to business, website's terrible, things just don't work, you know, formatting and layouts all over the place. Um, and I think all of that stuff needs to be in here as well, because that actually can have a big impact on timeline. Again, you lose loads of time, can't get through the full UAT backlog, you end up launching or compromising. I think fast followers are a really important one. Like every agency in the world is at 120% capacity at the moment. Um, most of the projects I've worked on, one of the biggest arguments throughout the whole project is um, we agreed we'd do a fast follower and you don't have capacity to work on it. And it's not even the cost side of it. It's just that people just don't have the time. Um, so I think that's another thing you should try and allow for basically the agency of ring fence to sprint off the back of the project for anything that gets missed be it at their cost or your cost. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, okay, so let's move on to our final question, which is how can you effectively evaluate a supplier, uh, supplier's proposal statement work? So let me give my my um, thoughts on that, and then you can kind of riff again on, on what else uh, and maybe build out on some of those. So number one, so I'm going to list the key things that I would do. Number one is I would compare the statement of work versus the agreed scope and requirements we've got. At a high level, is everything included? Um, the things that have been defined as out of scope, is anything contentious and would materially impact the quality of the project? Next bit is, does it fix the known issues? Based on our internal discussions, all of the current issues we've got that we're trying to fix, will it address them? If not, which ones won't it? What's those gaps? Then you can review with your business stakeholders, are we willing to accept that or do we need to get those plugged? Does it cover the important as is? The stuff you've defined as we need this, customers depend on it, our business needs it, are they included so that you don't go backwards in your capability? Um, is it aligned with e-commerce good practice? So say something like um, gift cards or tax handling, is it really good and fit for purpose or is it going to cause any, any user experience issues or any, any problems for you and your, your business and operations? Um, and then last one is, key stakeholder needs, our digital marketing team, our e-commerce team, our merchandisers, whatever it is, do we think that it's given enough provisions for them so that they'll come out of this being able to sign off on the project? And then the last one is, is it within budget? So have we have we lost complete um, control over what our original budget and focus is and created something that's a complete monster? So those are my sense checks and go-to points. How about you? Yeah, I think you've covered pretty much everything now. I think... Um... Key one really is just uh, line item level. Is there enough detail? Is like the equivalent of your acceptance criteria of that requirement covered? Um, yeah, I think that's probably the big one. I think it's not necessarily 
an evaluation piece but i guess as a client i think the one thing you should probably try it or need to do is just be aware of process change and compromise and maybe that's something to document because i think you know shopify is a good example the platform that i work with the most you're going to compromise you're going to have to work in different ways um and i think as long as you're aware of it and the people that are making the compromise are aware of it it's fine but quite often people aren't and again that's another one it's not necessarily it shouldn't be in the statement of work but it definitely comes off the back of the statement of work and what's listed in the statement of work will impact it yeah that's that's a really good point actually um yeah knowing when to compromise and when not so that's our we, we've covered the three elements we want to do why is it important and what needs to go into it and how do you evaluate it to make sure it is fit for purpose? If you could leave one part in comment, one bit of advice for, for teams who are going through this or planning it, what would it be? I think, uh, dependent on the business, I would say bring someone, if you don't have the team to do this level of due diligence, bring someone in that does. Even if it's like you bring someone in for two days and they literally just go through and the fine tooth comb and, you know, govern the scope of the project. I think that is often very valuable. Um, and there'll, there'll always be people that have done it before, or, you know, that are an expert in the platform or, you know, consultants, et cetera. I think um, that's a very good use of money, personally. Yeah, mine is similar, but it's, it's more about don't rush into working with your agency partner, even if they're already selected, and don't just accept yeah a discovery approach that they've given you take the time think about it get organized get structured get a meaningful set of requirements delivered not just a a, a spreadsheet with 20 lines in saying we want an erp what does that mean what does that integration need to deliver get that detail give that to an agency or prospective agency and say right how would you deliver your discovery based on this to make sure we cover all of these points in and make sure when they give you a proposal back, you look at it and go, have they covered all of those areas? Do we feel confident? If they're saying we're going to do all of your integrations in a half hour call, be a little bit afraid that they haven't provisioned enough time, basically. So that's yeah. the one. Well, look, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, keep an ear out for the next episode. As we said, they land every week, usually on a Tuesday. And let us know of any topics or guests you'd like us to cover and let us know why. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. And we'd love a rating on Apple or Spotify if we haven't sent you to sleep. Um, yeah, so thanks for, for listening and catch you next week. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.